Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about when the waves come crashing down. Stick around for some hope, healing, and definitely some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. This week's tour portion is a double tour portion called Chukat and Balak, which you can find in Numbers chapter 19, verses 1 through chapter 22, verse 1. Numbers 22, verse 2 to chapter 25, verse 9. And then the half tour portion is Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 33. And then you have Micah, chapter 5, verse 6, to chapter 6, verse 8. And the Brit Hadashah is John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And Romans, chapter 11, verses 25 to 32. Now, Chukat and Balak, well, Chukat means statute or decree, and Balak tells the story of when Balak, king of Moab, sent for the prophet Balaam in hopes that the prophet would curse the Israelites. Now, for those of you who don't know, if you've ever been to our congregation, or you're part of our congregation, you know my husband absolutely loves to talk about the Ma Tovu, which is actually this story right here. So I encourage you to read it. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of what the homeschooling Torah email sent out. She really breaks it down really well. It says the Chukat portion begins with the command of Adonai to offer a red heifer in sacrifice with very specific instructions on how to be cleansed from uncleanliness with its ashes. The command doesn't seem to make any sense. However, God decreed it and his people were therefore to obey. Later, Adonai gave the strange command for Moses to make a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole. Many years later, during the time of the judges, the Israelite people worshipped that bronze serpent. Sometimes I wonder why Adonai would command them to make an image of something, even though it appears to go against the second command, not to make any graven images. This command didn't seem to make any sense. However, God commanded it, and when his people obeyed, they were healed. What do we do when the Bible doesn't make sense? Are we off the hook? on obedience until we've had time to study and try to understand it? No. We're to obey first and try to understand later. It's easy to see that our children need to learn to obey immediately without question because I said so. Sometimes, especially in dangerous situations, obedience like this is necessary. Of course, we parents aren't God and we don't have perfect wisdom. We also need to reassure our children that we would be happy to explain why later and to determine not to make arbitrary commands out of cruelty or laziness. However, do we parents obey God without question? I was convicted about several things this week, areas in which I don't always want to obey, in which I tend to give the excuse that the command doesn't make sense and doesn't seem to apply to me today. On another subject, the topic of the Rev Heifer is very important to teach to our children because the Messiah is illustrated very strongly here. We urge you to take extra time this week fixing your eyes on Yeshua so that your children will be prepared against the deception of anti-missionaries. Most importantly, pray that each child will personally repent of his sin and uncleanliness, turning to Yeshua for forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Anne, for continuing to send that email to me. Um, She just breaks down the whole Torah portion really, really well. It's actually not what I'm going to be talking about today, but 
I really thought that it was important to share that with you. So hopefully that spoke to somebody who is listening. So the title of this podcast is called When the Waves Come Crashing Down. And uh, it's very reminiscent of what happened to me a couple days ago. Um, Our congregation did its first outreach that I, that we've had since I've been a part of this congregation, which is actually going on more than seven years now. So um, Ben and I, you know, started to, um, we became, we became the congregational leaders two years ago, I believe. Um, and it was a really good opportunity for us to spread out our wings a little bit, do some outreach because I think that's something that our congregation, um, just hasn't really been doing too much of in the past. And we went to the beach, which is my happy place. So I was happy to do that. And, We actually were doing some Davidic dancing on the beach and it was really a great time to do it. It was funny because a lot of them were like, well, we shouldn't do it. Shouldn't do it. Cause it looks like it's going to rain. Looks like it's going to rain. And if anything has taught me anything, uh, from living in Hawaii, especially on Oahu, it's that just because it says it's going to rain does not mean it's going to rain where you are at. So just because our congregations in Wilmington, and it says there's 50% chance of rain. It does not mean that there's 50% chance of raining exactly where you are. There's 50% chance of rain somewhere in the vicinity of Wilmington. You're welcome to correct me if I'm wrong on that. Just that's based on my own common sense knowledge. So we went to North Topsail Beach, beautiful beach. One of the beaches I've actually never been to before. And I think we had a really great time. Uh, some people actually did talk to other others. I, I really feel like an outreach like that is really just expressing your faith in your walk and like in the Davidic dance. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to each person on the beach and say, Hey, do you know Yeshua or do you know Jesus? And, um, so we just had a really great time. Good time fellowship. Um, <laughs> in between some of the dances, I got really hot. And, um, for those of you who do not know, I grew up wanting to be a mermaid. Uh, because that's how much I love the water and I love swimming. And I'm not one of those people who could sit on the beach and I don't know, sunbathe or read a book. One of those things. I I just can't do it. I get hot. I get bored. I need to go swimming. So we're dancing. So of course I'm even hotter than I normally am. And it was, it was beautiful, sunny, barely any clouds in the sky. And so there are some pretty big waves going on. And I was like, I'm just going to run in real quick and dive in and then come right back out so I could do some more dancing which is not normally what I do. Normally I take a little bit more time uh, to assess the situation before I run in. And, and I did, I ran in, I dived in and got, did really well, got in. And just as I'm about to stand up, a wave pushed me right back under. And so I started, you know, flipping, rolling. Thankfully, you know, was not even close to being above my head. It was probably a little bit, it's probably at my thighs. So it wasn't, it was not deep, which was a good thing, but also, kind of embarrassing because people could see what was going on with me. But I actually, I, I feel like I did it pretty, pretty elegantly <laughs> considering the situation and, you know, got up and got out, out of the water and definitely had pulled uh, my hamstring and was having trouble just walking. So I just, you know, stretched it out a little bit. And actually, I, I actually did decide to dance again, um, even though my husband's like, you probably shouldn't. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. Honestly, by the time I was done dancing, my, my leg was fine. So I'm choosing to believe that God just healed me because I was choosing to praise him no matter what the circumstance was. And that's really what it, 
what came to my mind when I was thinking about this is how often in our lives, maybe not physically where we're being pummeled by waves, but in our lives, whatever situations we're going through, we feel like we're being pummeled by the waves around us. And as I'm thinking about this, because I have a karaoke machine in my head, um, a song that I, I really have always enjoyed by Audio Adrenaline came into my mind. It's called Walk on Water. And it's talking about when Peter walked on water. Which if you have your Bibles, I have mine, which is the Tree of Life version. That would be in Matthew chapter 15. It is mentioned in a couple other ones. I know it's mentioned in John, I believe. But I'm going to read you just this little portion. It's John 15, um, verse 22. Right away, Yeshua made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the hillside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long way from land, tossed around by the waves, for the wind was against it. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Yeshua came to them, walking on the sea. Can you just imagine Yeshua walking towards you on the water? I can't tell you how many times as a child, I would imagine that as I'm sitting, because um, I grew up by the beach, um, I'm sitting on a jetty, which is a bunch of rock formations that go out into the water. And I remember just imagining Yeshua walking towards me. And I can't tell you how many times I myself tried to walk on water. Unsuccessfully, but it was fun to try. Now, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Yeshua spoke to them, saying, Take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. Answering, Peter said to him, Master, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked out on the water to go to Yeshua. But seeing the wind, he became terrified. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Master, save me. Immediately, Yeshua reached out his hand and grabbed him. And he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, You really are Ben Elohim. After they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Yeshua, they sent word into all the surrounding region, and they brought to him all those who were in bad shape. I really love how this translation says it, that they were in bad shape. How many of you, including me, can raise your hand and say, That's been me at some point in our lives. And kept begging him that they might just touch the zitzit of his garment. And all who touched it were cured. Now for those of you who are not aware, zitzit is the, those strands that you find or you see on a talit. A lot of people call them uh, prayer shawls. And they actually were not typically what you would see them wearing, culturally speaking. They would actually have a kind of garment that they would wear under their clothing that had these little four on the four corners of this garment, the zitzit, the strands that had the blue cords in them. And um, maybe when they go into the temple, they might have something like the talit, like you would see uh, if you watch the chosen, you see like the Pharisees uh, wear them where they'd be covering their head. But anyways, um, this whole thing is just fascinating to me. And I, I'm sure that you've gone over this with a fine tooth comb many, many times, just like I have. 
where it's 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 obvious right like yeshua has faith in who who yeshua says he is right he has his eyes on the son of god on yeshua but seeing the wind he became terrified so instead of continuing to keep his focus on yeshua he lost sight of what was important and got distracted by other things. Now, sometimes we need a physical focus, something to focus on, which kind of brings to mind actually what Anne was talking about in the Torah portion where they had to, uh, he had them, he had Moses create a bronze serpent for them to be healed, the people in the desert. And, you know, wondering why he would do that when it seems to be in direct, uh, violation of the second command but the reality is when he created it it wasn't in violation of it it wasn't until much later that they decided to worship that serpent uh the bronze serpent however that being said they needed that focal point to focus on for them to be healed and i think the same is true in our every single every everyday life like no matter if the 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 waves are pummeling you life is pummeling you with all sorts of situations and it could be so many different things um, you know, it could be a health diagnosis. It could be a change in your financial status. Um, it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be bankruptcy. It could be so many different things, different scenarios. It could be, you know, you're a prodigal, a child, so many things. But repeatedly over and over and over and over again in the word. Adonai tells us to keep your eyes on me, focus on me during these trials. And I actually want to read you just a little bit of the um, lyrics of the Walk on Water by Audio Journal. It says, just like Peter, I want to go farther, tread on the sea and walk on the water. Step where he step, steps and goes, go where he goes, side by side when the sea billows roll. I'll be all right when the wind comes. Be all right when the waves come crashing. I'm not afraid. No, no, for this is my father's world. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, I can walk on water. Which brought me back to, I know shockingly for me because I don't necessarily remember verses too well, but there's a song to this one as well. Um, It brought me to Isaiah 43. But now, thus says Adonai, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Or through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flame burn you. For I am Adonai, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And I feel like there's a direct correlation there between what Adonai is saying in Isaiah to what Yeshua did for Peter. His other disciples were, of course, in awe because as soon as he stepped on the boat, the seas calmed. And... That was one of the, uh, you know, a couple times that they recognized you are, you know, you are the, you are who you say you are. You are the son of God. And 
I think it's amazing to me how often we lose sight of that and how often instead of trusting in him and keeping our focus on him, we tend to want to do things our way. We want to be the one in control of our lives. We want to focus on whatever we want to be focused on. We want to be distracted by whatever we want to be distracted about. But the other thing is this, and it's something that came to mind also. My husband uh, did a really great sermon this past weekend. You may or may not agree with us on this or not, but um, we have been watching uh, the TV show Young Sheldon, which I know has some very questionable themes, but it also has some really great themes to talk to teenagers about. Um, and this past week, actually, my husband had a really hard time with it. I could relate to it really well. Um, for those of you who don't know, Sheldon is a character from the original TV series, Big Bang Theory, where they're going back to his time as a child. Um, I, be- I believe he's like, tw- he's like 11, 12 years old in this. And his family is, like all families, uh, a little messed up. And while it is entertaining to watch them, you also feel, um, you feel for them in the different circumstances of life that they're, they're dealt with. And, um, Sheldon has a twin sister. Um, Sheldon is a genius. He's in college and he's, I don't know, 12 years old. And his sister is not, she's just a regular girl. And he has an older brother, Georgie, who's 17 who doesn't make the best life choices. He has a lot of street smarts, but doesn't make the best life choices. For instance, in this particular episode, um, they come to find out that Georgie has gotten another, uh, a woman he was dating pregnant and he lied about his age. So she thought he was older and she actually turned out, I think she's 29. So quite a bit of an age difference there. And he actually wants to do the right thing, which is like probably the first plus for this particular character. But his mom, who is a church going, believing Baptist is very much distraught. And she's not distraught for what her son has done, but she's distraught about how it will make her look and how her family will look. And this girl doesn't want to marry Georgie, which based on the circumstances, I honestly can understand where she's coming from. But of course the church is not willing to forgive unless they get married. And because they're not willing to do so, they ostracize Shelton's mother, who is also the secretary of the church and is also um, a close confidant of the pastor. And... It was good because you saw her take a really good look at herself where she's saying, you know, if this happened to somebody else in the church, I think I'd be that judgmental person. But there's a really, uh, it's an awesome scene. And I, my kids think I'm silly, but I thought it was really awesome because it was a scene where uh, Missy and, and Sheldon went to church with her, even though she wasn't sure she should go. And they're, they have pews there. They're coming into the church and everybody's looking at them and, you know, giving them the stink eye. And they find a little seat, they sit down, and there's an older lady with, it looks like her granddaughter in the same pew. She sees who's sitting there and gets up and leaves. Because she sees that it's Mary, who is Sheldon's mother, and Sheldon and Missy, and they know what's going on. And the pastor is preaching about loving, and how we are to love our neighbor. 
and how when you see if a neighbor is in need that you are to love them in whatever situation they're in. And at this point, the mother gets very uncomfortable, is choosing to leave. And this is probably the, the best thing I've ever seen this particular character, Sheldon, ever do. He stood up, called them a bunch of hypocrites, and told them, you know, you're, ch- you're preaching about love, but you can't even love my own mother. It's not her fault my, my brother's an idiot, basically, is what he said. And, um, and then he said something really hilarious, too. He said, you know, um, you know you're preaching about Nebuchadnezzar. And in Hebrew... Uh, you know, there's a ha, you got to use a ha and really dig into it, which was just an extra bonus. But anyways, um, the whole point of that is to say, I myself saw that in my own life. If you listen to my introduction where I had a best friend, um, who basically same situation, except that the age gap was a lot smaller and they actually did end up getting married. But the church I grew up with and in the people turned their back on her. And that was one of the little drops in the bucket for me to get really mad at God. And it's, it was interesting watching the mother because she was kind of making the same mistake I did because she's confusing God's people with God. Because God's people, we make mistakes all day. And yep, we are a bunch of hypocrites. Hopefully when we are shown the error of our ways, we choose to repent of them and ask for forgiveness. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. But she had a real problem with understanding that it wasn't the church she had a problem with. Well, it wasn't God she had a problem with. It was really the church. It wasn't um, God's love for her, because that hasn't changed. It was the way that the people in the church reacted. They asked her to to take a hiatus, basically, to maybe stop coming to church for a little bit, stop being the secretary of the church. And I think that was a huge mistake. Because, um, yes, as a mother, um, she can be responsible for some of the actions of her son. But on the other hand, we can only do so much, minus locking our children in the basement, which is not something anyone should be doing, because that would be child abuse. And... I think it was just a really good reminder for me anyways, to remember to not put my trust in uh, horses and chariots, but to put my trust in the Lord to keep my focus on him, not on what God's people are doing to the right or the left of me to focus on what the Lord is doing, what the Lord wants to do in my life, what the Lord wants to do in my family's life and trusting him and following in his ways, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance. Now with that, I really hope that I did give you a good laugh. I know I'm, I honestly, I was laughing pretty quickly after it happened. Uh, some of the people I was with at the beach, uh, some of the church folk I was with at the beach, you know, said, yeah, yeah, you definitely look like you took a pretty bad tumble. It was pretty bad out there. I was like, yeah, I'd, I normally wait out a little bit more than I simply jump in and I paid for it. So it was a good learning, uh, tool for me, a good lesson. And I hope that you learned something from it as well. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. <laughs> Ya Adonai Panavaleka 
Peneca. Yusadonai Panabeca. Peosemeca. Shalom. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, I pray. Amen. I pray that you have a fantastic time. And remember that even when the waves come crashing down, it doesn't matter how you fall. It only matters if you get yourself back up. And ask for Yeshua to help you, just like Peter did. He said, Yeshua, help me. The waves are too big. And Yeshua grabbed his hand and pulled him to safety. May you have a blessed week. Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.